<laughs> July 7th, 2.31 p.m. Um, good call. Good vibe. Um, chill. Yo, Jackplex, answer the fucking phone, dude. says here that you are three days clean from s cannabis after being an all-day smoker for three years. Six um, days now. And how did you start smoking weed in the first place? So it really started when I moved into a shared house for university. So we had like quite a lot of parties and gatherings. Some people smoke, some people drank, some people both. And it was fun. It was really fun at first. I was smoking weed only really when friends came around, which honestly was quite often um, with the student sort of vibe. And then it kind of became more of a thing of, oh, I'm going to sit outside in the sun after work and have a smoke. And just slowly incorporating weed into different areas of my life. And I didn't really see a problem with it at first, but then before I realised it, I was smoking every day, multiple times a day. And I was just spending so much of my time and money on weed. What do you think it was about smoking weed that kept bringing you back into it? I think at first it was the social aspect. Like it made me a lot more sociable and um, just a lot more interested in my social life. And then just through over time, it just kind of became my normal. I think I've had like a couple of um, long-term smokers describe to me, well, specifically in the case of marijuana, that like if you smoke consistently and for a long time, um, being sober is almost like its own high in and of itself. Uh, do you think that you'd agree with that? Yeah, kind of. I think being high became my normal and then be being sober became the, the not normal, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> like, did you... Did you have like benefits to it besides like socializing? Like, would you use it to try to create creative things? Like, did it help you make things more creative? Did it help you like exercise? Because I know that some people, when they smoke, it also helps amplify just like certain activities. So, was there a certain activity for you that made you more encouraged to do so because of marijuana or no? Yeah. So, um, obviously, I was studying at the time when I first started. And I used to smoke to get that creativity for my university work. Um, so I do my uni work whilst high and it kind of made me more creative. And then over time, it kind of became the opposite. What was your university work based around? Uh, funnily enough, counselling and mental health. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you graduate already? Yeah, I did. I graduated last year. I kind of want your opinion on how, like, so you had been using it to do your university work and that had helped you be more creative. Um, and at what specific point did you realize that it was a problem? I think it was when um, coronavirus came around. I didn't really have anything else to do apart from smoke. Um, so probably around that time, really. Um, so I started spending a lot more of my time and money on weed. Like, did you notice, like, differences in, like, your memory and, like, were you getting gradually unhappy? Like, tell me more about your, like, like, your feelings surrounding that 
at that point? Yeah, I'd say it was around that time that I started to think that, you know, I was becoming a lot more reliant on it, spending too much money and time on it. And the, the positive mental effects that I got from it was starting to sort of disappear over time. And it was kind of having the opposite effect. It was making me more lazy. It was making me not want to be sociable. Strange, like when you first start smoking it, it has all these positive effects. And then over time, it, it just turns on its head, basically. At uh, what point would you say that it started turning on its head? Like a year in, two years in? Yeah, maybe about a year in. And you'd say that you're probably doing it like every day about that year or like every other day or something? Yeah, definitely every day. Do you um, live with anybody? At the time, I lived with uh, two housemates. Uh, were they also smoking with you? No, they weren't. Oh, but yeah. I did have friends that came over um, and we smoked together. So once it kind of flipped over on its head, um, there has to be like a string of realizations behind that, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like, like for example, like a recent example for me in my life, was uh, like a couple months ago, I had like gained a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. This is like an unrelated example, but I had gained a lot of weight. And I think that when I, like, I guess like rock bottom for me was kind of when I had an opportunity to just kind of like look in the mirror and then just certain parts of my body weren't the same as before. And it like at that mm -hmm. point, it like truly registered and clicked in my head. And I was like, oh, like I gained weight. I should just try taking like small steps forward to lose it. I'd say that, like that approach I had to it. First of all, it was only as positive as an approach as it was because I had lost and gained weight previous times in my life. Well, yeah, I think that's really what it was. But I think that looking at myself in the mirror was kind of like rock bottom for me. So like, would you say that you had like a rock bottom for you in terms of like smoking? I don't think there was any one particular rock bottom. It was more like realizing over a, maybe a period of a few months. But for me, I had the attitude that if I wanted to stop, I could do it easily. But I just didn't want to at that point. And then over time, it got to this point where I knew that I couldn't just stop easily. Say that like you saying that you could stop easily was just kind of like an excuse that you made for yourself. I don't think I saw it that way at the time, but looking back now, it was definitely an excuse. Almost like a like a defensive mechanism. And honestly, I think I could say like the same thing for myself when I was gaining weight. And I was like, oh, I could lose it whatever I wanted. Too. Yeah, exactly. And, and now that I kind of look back on it and reflect on it too, I think we're both reflecting on like different things, but they're pretty similar when you really think about it. Yeah. Like I'm looking back on it and I'm like, damn, like I just, I didn't want to, but I just said that I could to make myself feel better for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And so um, did you, did you discuss with anybody about wanting to stop or anything or that that just kind of come as a realization of your own? Yeah, honestly, I had so many moments where I'd tell my friends or my boyfriend or my dad, cause he also smokes weed, um, you know, that I was thinking of stopping but I would always put it off until the next time. And then it became the next time and the next time. And it just never really happened until now. Uh, how did your dad feel about it? Well, my dad's been a smoker for like maybe several decades now. Um, so he's like a long time smoker. Um, and when I say that I want to stop, sometimes it inspires him to say he does as well. I mean, it sounds like you have like a pretty cool relationship with your dad, which is pretty nice. I do. Just based yeah. off the fact that he like shared that with you. And plus, not only did he share that with you, but he shared his history of that with you. Cause now you know that he's been doing that for like several decades, like you said. 
how come you didn't get into it with him? Well, to be honest, I didn't really know until I was maybe about 18 that he actually smoked weed. Um, so he'd always kind of hidden it from me and my brother, kind of probably in an attempt to not lead us to get into that lie. Yeah, I, I learned really late that he actually smoked. I mean, were you like shocked or anything once you found out or were you just like, oh, that's interesting? Yeah, I mean, I kind of just assumed that he was smoking cigarettes. Um, so when he told me, I was kind of like, oh, <clears throat> like it was kind of a surprise, but it wasn't like, you know, some sort of huge revelation. Does your brother smoke too or no? Well, he's 15, so I hope not. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Did you share with him any of this, by the way, or are you just kind of, kind of giving it to yourself until he's a little bit older? Yeah, no, I don't really feel like he needs to know. So you were talking earlier about how, like, when you were smoking... Oh, you have a cat? Sorry, that's my cat. Ah, <laughs> uh, so cute. <laughs> um, you had said that the positive effects of it kind of fell on its head, if that yeah. makes sense. So would you say that your dad, has he ever shared that same thing to you, or have the positive effects stayed with him, or is it more of a habit for him at this point? Um, I think the positive effects have stayed with him more than they have for me. One thing about my situation is that I have borderline personality disorder, so quite a few aspects of that I think make weed a really bad idea for me. Like for example, I'm impulsive, so if I get it into my head that I want to smoke more, I'll just do it and I don't really think of the consequences. And I'm also prone to addiction as well, so I think those couple of points make it a recipe for disaster for me personally, more so than my dad. When did you um, get diagnosed with BPD? It was actually only at the end of last year. Uh, where, did you have like telltale signs building up to it? Like had you been going to therapy or seeing a psychiatrist? Yeah, um, like I've struggled with mental health now for probably 10 years maybe, maybe even more now. Um, so <clears throat> it wasn't like a massive surprise when I got that diagnosis, but kind of just ignored the signs maybe. Interesting. Did that inspire you to major in that same thing in university? Yeah, it did. <laughs> oh, cool. So it's all kind of like connected. Yeah, so the year before I started university, um, I'd had an overdose and that kind of inspired me to go into the profession and try and help people like me. Okay, so I, I, I kind of have, I think whenever I talk to people, I kind of get into like, over time I kind of develop like a, a timeline of events in a person's life. And I think I'm getting like a good picture of yours, you know? Like, I think I have a good picture and okay. your cat is, <laughs> your cat meows so loud. It's so cool. <laughs> He's um, so loud. Is he vocal? He's so vocal. Does he like, does he do anything himself or is he one of those cats that just like looks at you and meows and wants you to do it for him? Oh, he's he's in trouble at the moment. He, um, he's really territorial. So when we moved into this new house, started having fights with like all the neighborhood cats. Um, and it's getting really, really bad. So we've had to keep him in for like a week because one of the neighbors, huge go at me yesterday. So I'm uh, <laughs> just kind of trying to get rid of the drama before he goes back out again. Oh, was he winning? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's horrible. He's the loveliest cat ever inside, but as soon as he goes out, he's like, I'm looking for a fight. Oh, when did you get him? Um, so this was actually in that same house where I started smoking. 2020 at the end. Um, so bonfire night. I don't know if you have bonfire night in the US. Bonfire night. I don't think we do. So it's the, I think it's the 4th of November. Um, and it's just like people have bonfires like big fires in the gardens um, and fireworks. Mm -hmm. So 
he was like super terrified of the fireworks um, and he turned up on our doorstep. So we let him in and then he just kept coming back the next day, then the next day. And then I had a cat. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that's pretty funny. I think that yeah. um, there was like a trend on TikTok for like a hot moment where the mm. sound was like a parody of like my American dream. And usually people would tell their stories about getting cats. And it's usually funny how people get cats because it's it's it tends to be similar to yours where cats just kind of like show up <laughs> and then yeah. they just never leave. <laughs> like I choose you. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's another thing about cats too is that like they make you feel chosen. Yeah, kind of definitely. Like, like grace, like they grace you with their presence. <laughs> yep. As opposed to like a dog, where I feel like it's more of a mutual thing. I think cats see as, see it more as like, hey, like. Yeah, and he came into my life in this time that I really needed it, and um, so we were just about to go into the second lockdown. Quiet. <laughs> and um, so I really, really struggled with the first lockdown. So we were going into the second one. Kind of seemed like he just turned up at just the right time because it was like, I think it was like maybe one or two days before the second lockdown. So it was just perfect timing. I think that the lockdown in general did not seem to be like a good time for you. No, not at all. So I think I want to go back a little bit more in time. So at, at what point in your life would you say that you had begun to like have like these mental issues and struggles? Probably sometime in high school, like maybe around 13, 14. I'm 24 now. What were like the struggles for you? Were you Mainly of... depressed and anxious. I've always been bullied at the time um, and I kind of turned to self-harm and I was a very, very anxious person as well. And at what point would you say in your youth that these feelings reached like their peak? Probably around, around 13, 14, yeah. I mean, it started all at once and it was quite bad all at once and then as you had grown up i think what 16 17 18 did you learn how to like get a better grasp on these feelings um i would say so yeah um i don't think i really got a full grasp on it until i was going into adulthood so maybe around like 20 21 i'm assuming you had gotten a therapist or a psychiatrist um, so I've had a lot of different therapists over time. Um, it's kind of hard to, to say really when when it really worked. But I did have a really, really good therapist last year and uh, I worked for a lot of stuff. Specifically with working with ther therapists is that like, it's not like a, you just pick one and go. Like some, and again, it's like mental health is such like a interesting thing because you do need somebody with like a certain perspective and ability of analysis to be able to help you mitigate your feelings i feel like mm -hmm. yeah you can't just pick it's not like a doctor well i would even say it's somewhere with the doctor too because sometimes you want like a specific physician to be able to treat you with a certain background and understanding of your culture perhaps or like a certain yeah. way to approach something so but i think that a lot of people like kind of overlook that when it comes to therapists too because i think that a lot of people try out therapy and have like one or two therapists and it doesn't work out and they're like all right i guess this just isn't for me but it's actually quite normal to go through many different therapists definitely yeah and like you said some people go to one therapist and think, oh, it doesn't work for me. And then that's it. They don't try it again. But I think it's really important to just keep trying um, because a lot of the time it just takes the right therapist or the right kind of therapy. So for me, um, I've had CBT and like person-centered therapy, but it was actually integrated therapy for me that worked the best, which is kind of like, it takes areas of different therapies 
and like puts it into one. Um, and that method worked best for me. Do you think that the therapist's personality also had something to do with it or was it just that their their style of going about it? Yeah, I think it definitely worked definitely worked for me and the therapist. Mm -hmm. She didn't take my bullshit. <laughs> like she would call out my unhealthy thought processes and um, kind of highlight them to me in a big red marker and um, so that they were more apparent to me. It's almost like kind of like a like a bolder personality, I guess. Yeah. You also make her sound like she would point it out to you, but she wouldn't like, and again, no therapist would like hit you over the head with what you're doing wrong. <laughs> like no therapist is going to be like, you shouldn't fucking think this way or anything. But I think that some people can just come off differently than others, but you just make it sound like she was like not overbearing with bringing these issues to your awareness, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree. And do you think that her just pointing out these issues over and over again over time kind of helped you? Yeah. So um, if I said something that didn't make any sense, like I had to think of an example now, um, but she would be like, and why do you think that? And it'd kind of make me think about that and be like, well, actually, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Was she humorous with it or just kind of like? Yeah, she was. Yeah. Um, and I mean, without crossing boundaries, we were kind of like quite friendly. So at the end of my therapy with her, the last session was basically just us chatting. And then she could tell me how she was really proud of me, progress that I've made and stuff. Um, so that was really nice because it kind of made her more of a person rather than just a therapist. Yeah. And I feel like that line is like very difficult to like maintain as a therapist too, especially since you're basically to chatting with somebody about the phone about like their most intricate um, personal issues too. But yeah. it, always, it is also cool to see that human side of them where it's like, hey, you know, like, what you did was awesome. And sometimes she'd use her own examples as well. Um, like, while also saying that she knows that it's not the same. Um, but it, it definitely made her seem more human and easy to talk to. But I kind of just got to the point where I was like, I don't think I actually need this anymore. The work that I'd done with her was actually so good that I didn't really feel like I needed that therapy anymore. Well, yeah, it really did change my life. Um, do you think that actually smoking weed at at the beginning of it helped you get in touch with your emotions a little bit more to help get to these realizations? Or do you think that um, that was separate? No, I do think that it was part of it. Like at first when I was smoking, I became really open um, and I'd like to have these really deep conversations with my friends while we were high. And we just got really good outcomes from it. Like we were really talkative and willing to go that deep. Yeah, it was really good. Damn, so it just sounds like you're just pretty much chilling right now, for the most part. And yeah, for the most part. I mean, like, the withdrawals have not been nice, um, but I definitely feel like I'm going in the right direction. I want to get back to the withdrawals and, like, the after effects of what it's like to... F were you diagnosed with anything else besides BPD? Uh, just depression and anxiety, mainly. And um, now that you've, like, kind of ended therapy, and um, you have understood the implications of having BPD and depression, anxiety. Um, how do you kind of go about that in your day to day? And like, do you kind of use the techniques that you learned in therapy or have you gotten like, rid of certain thought processes, if that makes sense? Yeah, so since, um, since I got this diagnosis at the end of last year, I went into a DBT uh, group setting sort of thing. Um, and this taught us loads of different DBT skills. So for example, like weighing up pros and cons 
a thing. So say that I'm worried about something that I have to do tomorrow, I would think of like the pros and cons of that situation in my head. And also fact checking as well. Like I can go into these spirals uh, in, my, in my brain. Um, sorry, my cat's been so loud. <laughs> it's okay, don't worry. <laughs> I can go into these spirals. Um, it really helps to just check the facts. So I can be like, what do I know as a fact? Rather than thinking, oh, this could happen, that could happen. I'd be like, well, this is going to happen. And this is who I'm going to be with. This is what I'm going to be doing. And it kind of just helps me to stop catastrophizing. Within, of course, within your comforts, can you kind of illustrate to me like the thought process that you'd have before therapy? Um, I would come up with the worst case scenario and kind of run with it and just kind of almost even assume that it was going to happen that way. And this is like not only with just like major things in your life, but just like small things like day to day. Yeah, literally almost everything. It, my mind can be a very, very loud place at times. Well, obviously you knew that it wasn't, like, okay, I guess, to, like, go about that in that way because you had to end up going to therapy and getting your diagnosis and et cetera, et cetera. And it mm -hmm. seems like you're in a much better place right now, which, again, is awesome. Like, what made you realize that this is not how everybody else sees this, if that makes sense? I think it was mainly the reactions of people around me, uh, like my parents, for example. If I was in that sort of spiraling mindset, they would express that it's not normal. It was like their attitudes that made me realise that something wasn't right. Okay, you can leave. <laughs> You're not going to let him outside, are you? No, no, just out of the room. <laughs> and I, that, that just got, that has to be crazy too, because... This is every day. Like, this is just, like, just minor, minor things. Like, would it even be with, like, for you were in your youth, so it'd just be, like, taking a test or, like, um, maybe even, like, something as small as, like, going to the bathroom, too? Would you say that these thought processes would come up? Or was it with, like... It was most things, yeah. Definitely most things. Um, and I would kind of overthink my interactions with people. So, say I was having a conversation with you, I would be thinking... How am I coming across? What does this person think of me? Am I seeming weird? Can we tell some things off? And all these thoughts were going around my head at the same time. Oh, and at that point, it's like your head is actually louder than what's going on in front of you. Yeah. And then I think it did actually make me really unpresent and make me seem weird to people. So the things that I was worrying about were actually becoming true because I was thinking those things. <laughs> it's a crazy one. It's crazy because, like, I'm, I'm really trying to just, like, put myself in that position and just think about it. And, again, I can't even accurately put myself in that position because I do not have it. And even just the thought of it is just like, whoa, like, that's like an intense way to go about your day. Just every day. Definitely. It's definitely very, very intense. And I could easily see how it can be unhealthy. Um, it was no way to live. And I think that a lot of people, too, don't actually understand the, the breadth of that. Um, mm -hmm. I think that um, the only reason why I'm even uh, aware of the fact that it could just be with small things is because I've had multiple friends that have had PPD. I yeah. Have a friend circle. So they tell me. And even then, when they f at first told me, I was like, whoa, what? And it took me like a while to like actually understand um, just how. It's just a completely different thought process. Yeah, it's, it's something that you, I mean, you can kind of grasp it, but you can't really fully understand it unless you've gone through it yourself. So it's really hard to describe to other people a lot of the time because you know that 
<clears throat> no matter how good of a job you do at describing it, unless they're in your head, you can't really fully understand. Mm-hmm. But I suppose that it's the same with everything. Like, personally, I've never been in an abusive relationship, so I can't really imagine exactly what it's like. Does, does um, mental illness run throughout your family? Uh, my dad has depression, um, but that's pretty much it for my family. So how is it like to just kind of be uh, free from marijuana after these six days? It feels amazing. Like I've never ever made it this far in the three years that I've been smoking. So I'm getting to the point now where I'm proud of myself and I feel like I'm not going to go back. I think I said earlier, is, is being sober its own high to you now, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think so. How I'm still you? coming to terms with what my life is going to be like now and um, what my new normal is. What sense? Without the, without weed? Yeah, yeah, exactly, like... Yeah, too, because, like, again, like, for example, for me, very easily, I can say, I use caffeine every day. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to stop using it. There's, It's not, like, a thing where it's, like, for me, where it's, like, before, like, for example, like I said earlier, like, when I lost weight, that I was, like, I could stop if I wanted to. Like, with caffeine, I'm, like, I don't even want to stop. And that's not yeah. healthy, and I know it, but, like, I'm just not even at the point where, like, I want to stop using it. But the thing that I'm trying to get to is that, like, after a certain point, like, these things become such, like, a routine in your life. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, sometimes I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to have my coffee. And that, like, that boosts you to get up out the morning. So I'm sure yeah. that there are, like, points throughout your day where you were like, oh, like, just got off work. Yeah. Um, so weed became such a prominent thing in my life um, where I think for me the hardest time in the day is meal times. So I would always, always smoke before and after eating. So it's kind of strange to me now to finish a meal and not go and smoke. That's probably the weirdest thing for me. Yeah, because now it's like, yeah, like, what do I do? Yeah, exactly. I just finish a meal and then I'm still chilling. (laughs) 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 So with all these like little blocks and time spaces throughout your day that you normally spend smoking like what do you kind of try to spend it doing now like are you just chilling like i know it's only been six days so like you probably are you're still getting used to it but have you found anything in the meantime like do you like write or do you just chill uh i read a lot i've always been a reader but i feel like i can focus on the books a lot more now and um, with my mind being a lot clearer um i'm not really doing anything that different but i would say that i've got a lot more energy I'm more likely to think, oh, I need to go to the shop to get some bread and actually go and do it rather than thinking, I need to go to the shop and get some bread, but I'm going to smoke instead. Oh, God, it's so annoying how you can just be having a con. And it, it, it's so interesting, too, how thoughts in your head in general are just so fleeting. Like, mm-hmm. I had such a good question in my head. And then, of course, like, for whatever reason, your thought can just dissipate. Yeah, I'm familiar with that with weed. (laughs) Um, Yeah, my mind was... I just felt like I was not really fully there a lot of the time, just because I was in my own head. What kind of genre of books do you like to read? Um, A bit of everything, really, but I'd say my favourite is probably horror and thriller. I think that whenever people like a certain brand or a certain genre of something, it's usually because they see something in it in themselves. Like, for me... um, I think that um, recently, or really my entire life, like I've been really like attracted to like rap music in general. It's usually, for, and the reasons why is because um, it's usually 
a genre of music that delivers storytelling, and I love stories. It's a genre of music that's very, um, that can be very aggressive and energetic, but at the same time also very soulful and like connected to like almost like um, higher stages of faith, if that makes sense. And all these things like I resonate with and I enjoy. Yeah. Um, so what is it that you see in horror that you see in yourself? Um, I think it's the curiosity. I'm quite a curious person. Um, I, I don't tend to like fantasy books because I find them a bit too complex a lot of the time. But horror kind of takes real life and a little bit of fantasy without being full-blown, you know, stuff that would never happen. Um, I think that's what I like the most about it. You like that, like that realism with like a twist of like... You know. kind of blurs the lines between is this a supernatural thing or is it a human thing? What was like the last event in your life that I was like, that you were like, damn, like I really am curious? Um, it's usually like smaller things. Like for example, last night I was watching Jackass. Um, or jackass <laughs> um, and I kind of just thought in my head I wonder if any of them are like infertile because they do a lot of things with their penises <laughs> you know like like getting no, no, that, that, that's valid. like that's a valid. horse or something and I just googled it and then I got into a spiral of like what's the worst injuries I've ever had um, where is Bam Margera in this last film um, just going down a rabbit hole. I need to know like all the details. That's also yeah. very valid. <laughs> yeah. Do you like being scared? Yeah, and I find it quite hard to be scared from horror. So a big thing for me with the genre is if I'm actually scared by a book, then it's a good book. What was the last book that scared you? Um, it was called Lost a Lot of Blood. I need to remember the name. I'll just have a look. Yeah, it's You've Lost a Lot of Blood by Eric LaRocca. I've been reading, I've been trying to understand, I started off with Kant, philosopher, um, trying to understand him. His um, books are, he was literally criticized for just like writing things like so complex, in like such a complex manner that it's like difficult to digest. And I'm like trying mm -hmm. to get through that, but like I'm trying to like understand his points and whatnot. See, I used to avoid books like that because with me being on weed, I kind of felt like it, it didn't make me stupid. It definitely, prevented me understanding a lot of things and being able to think that deeply yes it it, it like with, with this book i think the hardest thing about it is that it, and with philosophy in general like philosophy is a string of very complex and convoluted thoughts that go back mm -hmm. to a certain origin and that's like how most arguments of philosophy go and you have to go through each individual thought process and like understand each one to understand how you get to the next one. It's almost like a mathematical equation. And another thing as well with stopping weed is that I've saved a lot of money already. I would say that I've maybe saved about 60 pounds at least in the past six days, which is crazy. Um, so there's a new book coming out tomorrow and I was able to order it without wondering if I could afford it. Because I've not spent my money on weed, I can actually spend it on things that I'm going to enjoy that are not hindering my mental state. So that was a really nice moment when I got to order that. That's awesome. I think all that yeah. in general, it, it just seems like you're in such like a, like I've caught you in like a moment of life where you're like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm here. I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah, that's so nice. <laughs> I still miss weed, I'm not gonna lie. And, but it's kind of, I kind of liken weed to be like a toxic relationship um, in that you love the person you really want to be with them, but you also know that they're bad for you. 
and that you're better off without them. And again, yeah. like, it's just so much of your day was just, like, centered around it. Yeah, exactly. It's like going through a breakup as well in that way because all of a sudden, and it's like breaking the habits as well and just trying to adjust to life without it. Would you have um, any advice for anybody who's trying to stop smoking weed? I would say the R Leaves Reddit um, is really, really good. Someone said to me, um, you know, you don't want to smoke again because if you do, you're going to have to go back through this withdrawal again. And that really struck a chord with me because I'm thinking, I don't want to go through this again. Like the sweats on the first days were horrible. I'm having wild nightmares and dreams. And yeah, I just don't want to go through this again. So I think that that's my main motivation for staying where I am. Uh, how bad were the dreams? Um, well, I've always had nightmares and dreams. So it's not affecting me as much as it would probably affect, you know, the average Joe. Just because with my um, medication, one of the side effects is dreaming and nightmares. Um, so I'm kind of used to it anyway, but they are definitely more vivid. They just seem to go on for hours and hours and so many different things happen in them. It's like 10 dreams mixed into one. And dreams are crazy. I did have a, and this is like a dream that wasn't even, I had a dream that spanned over two years of my life whoa yeah and it was a dream and i was like yo like what is this like i didn't even realize i was dreaming but then i woke up and i was like what just happened was it a good dream or a bad dream uh, i can't really remember so i'm gonna assume good i feel like if it was bad i'd remember but um, then if it was a good dream you might wake up and think damn this is my life <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, the, the crazy part of it is that like how could i be asleep for like what six seven eight hours and my brain can go through such like a convoluted like amount of space and time while I was just dreaming. And yeah. I think that it sucks too that you have these nightmares and they're like spanning like ridiculous amounts of time while like mm -hmm. I really hope that like your imagination is not as vivid as that of like the the authors of the horror books that you may be reading because that, that would not be in any way, shape or form fun. Would yeah no i think i'm gonna avoid horror books for a little bit <laughs> just until i get the dreams under control a bit i think you have good energy you're very calm um energy i am very calm that's another thing a lot of people have always said that i'm calm and my head's always been such a playground inside but i'm like how on earth am i coming across as calm <laughs> it's always baffled me but I think that I am actually becoming the calm person that I come across as, so that's nice. I think that's funny because that means that like your perceptions were like... I think that sometimes our perceptions as how we think we may be coming across as maybe aren't all that right all the time, if that makes sense. Yeah, and um, with BPD one of the main things is having an unstable sense of identity, both physically and with your appearance, so I personally have no idea what I look like. Like I can look at photos and stuff, but if I'm thinking in my head, I can picture my friend's faces and my partner's face, but I can never picture my own at all. And it's the same with like my personality. I've got no idea how I come across. Can't really define myself at all. Really, really weird part of BPD. I think that's interesting too, because as somebody who does not have it, I even have trouble understanding um, certain aspects of my personality or how I come across without um, like having